Okay, well, we're starting a new uh, new series this morning. Uh, God questions, big questions. It's uh, all about questions. And uh, what we're going to try to do over uh, the weeks of this series is just to ask uh, some of those questions that are floating out there uh, in the world and uh, try to give a, a good, sound, biblical answer uh, to those questions. Now, as we do that, we've got to recognize something to begin with. Uh, not only is there a biblical answer to the questions we're going to look at, uh, but the reality is, for uh, most of these questions, there's also an answer that's floating out there uh, in the world along with the question. And, of course, the problem for us is that the answer the world gives is not always the same answer that is the truth answer that the Bible gives. Uh, so as we start, we've got to kind of all get on the, on the same page on this thing, you know, and, uh, and understand that, you know, we've got to let the Word adjust our thinking so that we come to agreement on the Bible answer. I see too many folks out there in the world, when it comes to these big questions, they kind of, well, they want to listen to the Word, but they only want so much of the Word, and so they take a little bit of the truth, and they mix it in with what they really want, and then they come up with their answer to the question that makes them comfortable. The trouble is, that's not truth. You know, the Bible is truth. And so... When we go into these questions, we've got to be ready to just let the Bible be the answer and let that change our thinking and reshape how we answer the questions. You okay with that? You with on board with that? Okay, good. As long as we're in agreement, we'll go ahead uh, with the questions. And uh, the big question today, of course, is, uh, you know, are angels real? Uh, uh, are demons real? Uh, we're going to start talking about uh, angels first. You know, are angels real? Ready for the answer? Biblical answer is yes, yes. Okay, cool. We're done. <laughs> be really nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> I mean, it should be good enough, right? But no, nah, I mean, there's more to know. There's more to understand. You know, we got to figure out if the Bible answer is yes, angels are real. Well, okay, what does that mean? What does that mean for our everyday? If the answer to that question, the truth answer to that question, is that uh, angels are real, what difference does it make? How are these angels working in our lives uh, and, and in our world? So let's first start with just getting the concept that, yeah, absolutely, they're real. And, and the reason we know they're real is not because we say so, but because it's what God did in creation. The challenge for us to begin with in answering the question is, first of all, to expand our awareness of God's creative ability. So often when we start, we think about Adam and Eve, and we think about creation, and we always focus in on us being shaped, formed, and fashioned out of the earth, right? And we forget. We forget that when God was busy doing creation, God was creating the entire universe. God was creating the heavenly realms as well as this one that we walk on, right? If you look at Colossians 1, it says there, Everything was created by Him. Everything in heaven and on earth. Everything seen and unseen, including all forces and powers and all rulers and authorities. All things were created by God's Son and everything was made for Him. See how the Bible answers the question? Are they real? Yes. Because it's part of what God created. That the heavenly realms are part of God's 
creative activity. And so when God was busy creating us, He was also creating the reality of the spiritual realms, of the heavenly realms. And as He created, He created angels. And angels are beings just like we are beings. Are they like us? No, they're angels. They're a different part of creation. They're they're a different segment of God's creative activity. And they were created by Him, through Him, and they were created for Him, just like we were created for Him and His purposes in our lives. So, when God was creating, so He made the heavenly realm. So He made these beings we understand to be uh, angels. Not like us. We can go to Second Peter and uh, hear just a little bit about them. Second Peter says, The Lord is especially hard on people who disobey Him and don't think anything except of their own filthy desires. They're reckless and proud and are not afraid of cursing, what? The glorious beings in heaven. You see that? Heavenly realm stuff? Uh-huh. The glorious beings in heaven, although angels are more powerful than these evil beings, even the angels don't dare to accuse them to the Lord. What do we just learn about angels? Are they like us? No, they're angels. And, and they're, they're their own thing. And, and they're more powerful than we are. And even though they're more powerful than we are, they also aren't God. Right? They're, they're not equal to God either. If we listen to uh, Jesus in Matthew 24, uh, Jesus uh, speaks about uh, angels and the end times and everything. So if we go to Matthew 24 in the next slide, he says, No one knows the day or the hour. The angels in heaven don't know. Do the angels know everything? Apparently not. Right? Apparently not. Why? Well, they're not equal to God. They're angels. They're part of the created sphere of what God's creative activity is all about. Just like we are, so they are. They're more powerful than us, but they don't know everything. And they were created for God's purposes. They are there to do whatever it is that God wants them to do. We can go to uh, the book of Daniel and see the experience where uh, Daniel has an experience with an angel. Uh, pretty, Pretty cool angel, Gabriel. It says in Daniel 9, I was still confessing my sin and and those of all Israel to the Lord my God. And I was praying for the good of his holy mountain. When Gabriel, angel, suddenly came flying in at the time of the evening sacrifice. This was the same Gabriel I had seen in my vision. And he explained, Daniel, I'm here to help you understand the vision. God thinks highly of you. And at that very moment, you started praying... I was sent to give you the answer. There's a couple insights in there. First of all, let's deal with one of those kind of worldly myth things out there. And we kind of infer, they infer it from this text. Notice when when the angel Gabriel was sent, how does it say he came? He came flying, right? He came flying in. And so when you think about that, of course, what happens in our world as we start picking angels. Well, angels, everybody knows angels. Angels have big. Right? Sure, yeah. No. Angels are angels. We don't get to decide what angels look like. Angels look and exist for the purpose of God. 
And so they appear and they do whatever it is God needs them to appear like and do. So there's no scripture kind of thing that says angels look a particular way with the big wings and all that stuff, right? It just says, no, angels exist for the purposes of God and they appear according to whatever that purpose is. Okay? Notice also, in the last part of the text there, it says that Gabriel was sent. This means that Gabriel wasn't already there. Right? Angels are not present everywhere. They're not just floating out there in space and and just kind of waiting for something to happen to get involved in our life. No. Angels are sent. Right? If you go through the experiences of Scripture, you look where angels show up. Why do they show up? Not because they just happen to be there and standing on the corner when something happens, but because God purposed them to be there. Remember, angels exist for the purposes of God. And so angels are always sent. This kind of eliminates that whole kind of world idea about angels that says, well, angels are just kind of you know, present everywhere, and you've got this little guardian angel that just kind of walks along with you wherever you go. And uh, No, that's, that's not what this says. No, it says angels created by God, created for the purposes of God, and they are sent specifically according to those purposes to accomplish whatever it is that God desires. And that's why we can't always see them and understand when they are present or aren't present because we don't get to decide when an angel is around. God does. That's why Scripture gives us a warning if you go to Hebrews 13 about that. Hebrews 13 says, Be sure to welcome strangers into your home. Why? Well, by doing this, some people have welcomed angels as guests without even knowing it. Do you always know when an angel's there? No, because you don't get to decide. They're just not present everywhere. You don't get to decide when they are or when they aren't present. You don't get to decide what they do or what they don't do. No, remember, they're created for the purposes of God and God sends them for specific purposes according to what He desires and according to what He wants to accomplish in our lives. You with me so far? All right, let's go to the next question. Let's say, okay, i got a sense of what these angel things are and heavenly beings, and that's all cool. So, like, what do they do? What do angels do? If you get your hand out, you can see I've given you a number of uh, specific things that Scripture seems to point to that they do, and I've given you scriptural citations around that, and uh, we just don't have enough time this morning to, to look all that up. So guess what? Today you get homework. Yeah, yeah. Right? Today you get homework. So take that with you and uh, go and look that stuff up. I'll just comment a little bit on, uh, on uh, each one of these things that Scripture seems to say, look, here, we can look at angels working here and here's what they're doing. First of all, we know angels worship and praise God. This is probably the greatest purpose that they have. You know, uh, Phil quoted to you from the book of Revelations this morning about gathering around the throne and just singing God's praise. And Man, this is what angels do. Angels are just there, just continually bringing praise and glory and honor to God, right? And you go to Isaiah, see that, and you go to Revelations and see that. But we also know that angels get involved in our world when God sends them according to His purpose and His intention. And when they get involved in our world, in our experience, we can see what they do. 
One thing they do uh, is they, they guide, okay? When they get involved, uh, they seem to guide. They show up, and they show up as messengers with instructions. And so we can go to the experience uh, with Joseph and Mary when they, when they got the word that uh, Mary was going to bear a child. And uh, Joseph, here's what you're supposed to do. You remember the angels just kept showing up? Sure. And they show up and they say, okay, here's what's going to happen. And then they show up and say, okay, don't worry about that because here's what's going to happen. And they show up and say, okay, it's okay. God's in control here, but here's what you need to do. What are they doing the whole time? Well, they're directing and they're guiding and they're bringing a message from God saying, look, I'm, I'm, I'm working in your life here and here's what you need to do. This is what angels seem to do is they show up according to God's purpose and they bring us a message that guides us. You can go into, into the book of Acts and, and you can see uh, the experience uh, when Philip is on the road and all of a sudden an angel shows up and says, Philip, you got to go do this, you got to go do that. Got this Ethiopian guy I want you to witness to. Right? And so they show up uh, and, and they guide. Next thing we can point to is that, that angels show up uh, and they protect. They protect God's own people. So if you go back to Daniel and you look at that experience there. Uh, do you remember uh, Daniel is known for a, a great story of Daniel when he was thrown in the lion's den, right? Daniel's thrown in the lion's den. Who do you suppose shows up? Angel. Angel shows up. God sends an angel and the angel closes the mouths of the lions, right? Or there was those three guys that got thrown in a furnace. You know that story? Three guys got thrown in a furnace, right? Fiery furnace. Who do you suppose shows up? Angel. Angel shows up and protects those guys in the fiery furnace. So we can see that God sends these angels into our experience for the purpose of protecting God's own people according to His intention and according to His purpose. Other thing angels show up for is in the next slide, uh, that they show up also to uh, provide uh, strength, to help sustain us, right? And so if you'd go to Matthew and you'd read about Jesus being tempted out there in the wilderness... You know, he goes through those that battle with evil face-to-face out there in the wilderness. And when it's all over, when the battle is done, it says the angels showed up and they ministered to Jesus. What they do? They, they showed up and they, they helped sustain him. Right? And we can look at other, other experiences with prophets and others where the angels show up and they just provide strength and compassion. They, they provide whatever it is that that follower of Christ needs in order to be sustained. And then we can see also from uh, what we just read in Daniel that uh, angels show up because people pray about it. The, the Daniel experience you, uh, you heard, but it's a great story in the book of Acts where Peter is arrested. Okay? Peter's arrested. He's thrown in jail by Herod. The people of God, the church, they get busy in a house and they start praying for Peter. People in the house praying, Peter in prison. Who do you suppose shows up? An angel shows up in prison with Peter, frees him from the prison, knocks off all the chains, takes him out and puts him on the street and then disappears. People are still doing what? Praying. See what happens? See, the people are praying. What are they praying for? They're praying that God would intervene. God intervenes. How? According to His purpose, by sending an angel to do what God desires in Peter's life, in the life of the church. And the last thing it seems angels are all about is just simply helping those Christ followers uh, to just overcome the struggle that temptation puts in front of us. 
that angels seem to get just sent and dispatched into our lives in those times when we are struggling to help reaffirm, confirm our staying in the path of where God wants us to be, our staying on the purpose for which God sends us, right? If you look at Psalm 91, it says, God will command His angels to protect you wherever you go. They will carry you in their arms, and, and you won't hurt your feet on the stones. You'll be over, you will overpower the strongest lions and the most deadly snakes. The Lord says, if you love me and truly know who I am, I will rescue you and keep you safe. When you are in trouble, call out to me. I will answer and be there to protect and honor you. What angels do? Angels show up according to God's purpose for that reason of providing us protection and guidance and helping us overcome the temptation that would take us away from the purpose God has for us. If you want it just real straightforward, you can go to the uh, writer of Hebrews. In Hebrews 1, he just kind of says it. Angels are merely spirits sent to serve people who are going to be saved. What are they about? Here's what's really cool. Angels are sent according to God's purpose into your life so that you can stay on purpose for what God has created you to be and to accomplish. You get it? So he's got us created for a purpose. And then he's got heavenly beings that he's actually sending into our world and into our life. Why? So that we stay on purpose. So we do the things that God wants us to do. So the whole heavenly realm is geared around understanding what God's desire is and how that desire comes into our everyday. Angels are part of that experience of the heavenly realms that keep us in the right place doing what God wants us to do. Okay, you with me? We got it so far? All right, you ready to ask the flip question, right? The flip question then is, if we figured out angels, we've got to ask, okay, so what about demons? Are they real? The answer is, yes, sure. Should I sit down again? No, okay, yeah. Okay, if you say angels are real and you take the evidence of Scripture, then you have to take the evidence of Scripture as well and say, you know what, yeah, um, Demons are real, too. I don't know if any of you have read uh, C.S. Lewis's uh, Screwtape Letters, but if you haven't, you should. It's just a great book. I know our men's group has been uh, reading that for this summer, and uh, it's a great, uh, a great way for us to get a handle on understanding, in a creative way, understanding uh, how the power of evil works uh, in our lives. And so I just want you to sit back for a minute and listen to just a piece of, of uh, C.S. Lewis's uh, screw tape letters. And in this piece, there is an experienced uh, demon giving counsel to his protege, to, to a young uh, demon just getting started in that demon stuff. Okay? So take a listen to C.S. Lewis for a minute. They're up there giving me signs. The demons are trying to stop them. Huh? Oh, now I got a thumbs up. It is me, Mr. Hamilton. No, that's not good. That's too much. So, Hamilton, we meet. Hamilton! Uncle. 
What are you doing? I'm, um, th th that's to say, I was just, uh, sort of practicing. Practicing what? Well, um, I was thinking, you see, that I might make an appearance. An appearance? To John Hamilton, in a dream, perhaps, or in, in the shadows. Why? Well, to nudge him along. I thought if he saw me, then he, he'd, um, he'd... What, Wormwood? What did you think? Well, it would scare him, wouldn't it? You young tempters are so predictable. It's all show and flash with you, when in fact it's much better to keep the patient ignorant of your existence. Why, if I may ask? Well, for one thing, that question, at least for the present phase of the struggle, has been answered for us by the High Command. Our policy, for the moment, is to conceal ourselves. But it hasn't always been so. No, we are really faced with a cruel dilemma, you see. When the humans disbelieve in our existence, we lose all the pleasing results of direct terrorism. On the other hand, when they believe in us, we cannot make them materialists and skeptics, at least not yet. N not yet? I have great hopes that we shall learn in due time how to emotionalize and mythologize their science to such an extent that what is in effect a belief in us, though not under that name, will creep in while the human mind remains closed to belief in the enemy. How could we accomplish such a thing? Oh, there are many different ways. The worship of sex, some aspects of psychoanalysis, this thing some call a, a life force. They may prove useful. If once we can produce our perfect work, the materialist magician, the man not using but veritably worshipping what he vaguely calls forces while denying the existence of spirits, then the end of the war will be in sight. A wondrous day. In the meantime, we must obey our orders. I do not think you will have much difficulty in keeping the patient in the dark. The fact that devils are predominantly comic or absurdly exaggerated figures in the modern imagination will help you. If any faint suspicion of your existence begins to arise in his mind, suggest to him a picture of something in red tights. <laughs> and persuade him that since he cannot believe in that, it is an old textbook method of confusing them, he therefore cannot believe in you. Right. Do you get the point? Yeah. What, I mean, what's the biggest thing evil wants you to do? Believe it doesn't exist. And if you believe it doesn't exist, it can have its way. Or make it something like a person with a pitchfork and red tights and pointy tail. And, you know what I mean? What scripture wants us to understand is, yeah, they're real. It's, it's real. There's, there's a power out there that is working against God. And as much as there are angels out there working for God and doing His bidding, there is a power loose out there in the world that is working against God. When sin came into the world, you know, Adam and Eve and the apple, whole thing, when sin came into the world, keep in mind, sin infiltrated all of creation. Not just our world, not just our experience, not just ourselves, but it infiltrated all of creation, including the heavenly realms. And when that infiltrated the heavenly realms, the enemies of God were born. And those enemies want to keep you from doing what God wants you to do. 
they exist. Scripture makes it pretty clear. If you go to Second Peter, Second Peter 2 says, God did not have pity on the angels that sinned. He had them tied up and thrown into the dark pits of hell until the time of judgment. Is the Bible pretty convinced demons exist? Yeah, absolutely, right? And it wants us to know that for our good, right? Paul can remind us of that. If you look at Ephesians 6, Paul says, listen, get it right. Make sure you understand this. We're not fighting against humans. We're fighting against forces and authorities and against the rulers of darkness and powers in the spiritual world. You see, Paul understands the scope of God's creation and he also understands the scope of the battle that's going on. You see, evil would like nothing more than to get you off the purposes for which God has created you. Evil would love nothing more than to get you moving in a different direction than where God wants you to be in your life. Evil would like nothing more than to get Christ's church off path and get involved in some big discussion that goes nowhere for the kingdom of God. Evil wants you to fail at being a Christ follower. And evil wants this church to fail at being a group of people who extend the kingdom. That's its purpose. If you look at First uh, Timothy 4, it kind of summarizes it this way. What do demons do? God's Spirit clearly says that in the last days, many people will turn from their faith, they'll be fooled by evil spirits and by teachings that come from... You see it? Yeah, okay. So what's the deal? The deal is, remember, God has a great, incredible purpose for your life. God has angels who are working in our lives. He sends according to His purpose to keep us on track. But there's also this force, this power out there that wants to get us off track. It wants to get us moving in a different direction instead of doing what it is God wants us to do with our lives. And it fears what you can do for God. It fears the purpose of what your life can accomplish. So the question becomes, okay, we got this. Angels exist. We got this. Demons exist. Now, what do we do, right? We got this information. What do we do? How do we deal with this in our everyday? Scripture gives us some advice. First off, Peter says to us in 1 Peter 5, be on your guard and stay awake. Your enemy, the devil, is like a roaring lion, lion sneaking around to find someone to attack. But you must resist the devil and stay strong in your faith. What's the first thing you have to do? Hey, just be, on, be aware of it. Okay? Just be aware. Be on guard. Know the reality of what we're talking about this morning. Know the answer to the question. Now, here's where people make their mistake. Peter says, be on God, guard. Be alert. He doesn't say, now think about this all the time. He doesn't say, be consumed by the reality that demons exist. He doesn't even say, you've got to talk to those demons. You've got to cast those demons. You've got to talk to them. He doesn't say that. He just says, look, be alert, be on guard, know that they exist. You see, many of us make the wrong concentration move. We start focusing on, yeah, oh, there's demons in the world. going to start looking for them. No, not at all. What Scripture wants us to do instead is focus on God. Focus on what God can do. Focus on what angels can do in our life. And when that happens, the demons Run away. Look at what the, what the scriptures say in 1 John 3. 
Children, don't be fooled. Anyone who does right is good, just like Christ himself. Anyone who keeps on sinning belongs to the devil. He has sinned from the beginning, but the Son of God came to destroy all that he has done. God's children cannot keep on being sinful. His life-giving power lives in them and makes them children, so they cannot keep on sinning. What's he wants you to do? He wants you to do an inventory of your life and say, you know what, I'm not going to concentrate anymore in my life on what the evil one wants in my life. I'm going to concentrate on everything that God wants in my life. I'm going to do an inventory. And I'm going to say, look, is there a place in my life where evil is having its influence? Is there a place in my life where demons get to get a foothold? Is there a place in my life where I'm getting off track from where God wants me to be? And if so, I just need to get right. I need to get back on track. I need to concentrate on God more. I need to concentrate on His power in my life more. I need to ask for an angel to work in my life and go in front of me. Don't concentrate on the evil one. Concentrate on the good one. Concentrate on the incredible power of God in your life. Ephesians 6 says it this way. Finally, let the mighty strength of the Lord make you strong. Put on all the armor that God gives so you can defend yourself against the devil. Where does he want you to focus? On what God can do in your life. Is anybody in the room 